0: Old powers waken, shadows stir. An age of wonder and terror will soon be upon us. An age for gods and heroes.
1: The glass candles are burning, and you're listening to the Obsidian Knights Podcast. Hello, my sweet summer children. I'm back with the juice to get you through the long night. And this is another episode of the Obsidian Nights podcast, where we go through a song of ice and fire, chapter by chapter. And we're starting with A Game of Thrones. And today we are covering another Eddard chapter. And this is a juicy one. This is probably where shit starts to get real. Like shit starts (laughs) to get real in this chapter because Robert dies Ned conveys a small council to think he's going to take over King's Landing. It doesn't work like that, but we're going to talk about it. And today's guest is Jack. Jack, would you like to introduce yourself and tell the people who you are and where they can find you?
0: Yeah, uh, I'm Jack and I'm honestly not on a lot of social media right now. So you can pretty much find me on Discord and moreover, I'm on your discord quite a bit actually
1: oh cool yeah so if you want to join my discord you can join my discord i'll leave the link in the description box we do a lot of fun stuff on there um they have tournaments i do some gaming on there There's a lot of Game of Thrones talk, A Song of Ice and Fire talk. They also talk about other shows and stuff. So if you want to join the Discord, I'll leave the link in the description box. You can also sign up to do an episode of Obsidian Nights through the Discord. Right.
0: And the book club. Book club. Uh,
1: Book club. Yes. When you join, when you join, they will set you up with (laughs) reminders for book club. If you want to do book club.
0: (laughs) It's a good time. Join book club.
1: Join book club. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into talking about this chapter, because I really like this chapter. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. Yeah. So it says, The gray light of dawn was streaming through his windows when the thunder of hoofbeats awoke Eddard Stark from his brief, exhausted sleep. He lifted his head from the table to look down into the yard. Below, men in mail and leather and crimson cloaks were making the morning ring to the sound of swords and riding down mock warriors stuffed with straw. Ned watched Sandor Clegane gallop across the hard-packed ground to drive an iron-tipped lance through a dummy's head. Canvas ripped and straw exploded as Lannister guardsmen joked and cursed. Is this a brave show for my benefit, he wondered. If so, Cersei was a greater fool than he imagined. Damn her, he thought. Why is the woman not fled? I have given her chance after chance. So basically what we're seeing is the Lannisters like doing military exercises, probably trying to intimidate Ned Stark.
0: Which, you know, I can't believe Ned actually went back to sleep (laughs) because it seems like he just woke up. It's like he still doesn't get it quite yet, even at this part.
1: Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't quite get it. And like when he says, you know, Cersei is a greater fool than he imagined, like, no, you are a greater fool than we imagined. Right. <laughs> you, you are a greater <laughs> fool than we imagined, because actually, like, you should not underestimate Cersei, and that is exactly what he did. Um so it says the morning was overcast and grim ned broke his fast with his daughters and septum so ned goes and has breakfast with his daughters sansa is still like sullen about not being able to like say bye to joffrey or having to leave in general she's Very upset about that. Arya is like, she's hurrying up to eat her food so she can go um, train with Cereal at least one more time before they get on the ship. Because Cereal is going back to Winterfell with the Starks.
0: Right. And that's another thing I'm actually surprised about. Another mistake of Ned's is the fact that the kids are still there. I never understood... Of all the things that ned stark did why he really shouldn't have brought the kids to begin with like the second they had trouble on the king's road he probably should have just sent the kids back to winterfell yeah but after after all the stuff that's gone down and and telling cersei that he knows her secret and he still has
1: his kids there his
0: kids there with him
1: yeah it's not smart i i feel like he knows that they're in danger but he doesn't realize how much danger they're in. Like he doesn't realize how cutthroat these people are, even though he's been getting dreams the whole time he's been there that are basically warnings, I believe, of of exactly how these people are like these are the same people that killed rhaegar's children like these are the same people and so don't underestimate them and he's underestimating them at every turn and in this instant he underestimates his own daughter santa so santa looks up from her food and she's like if she can have a dancing lesson why won't you let me say farewell to prince joffrey And Septa says, you know, I'll go with her, Lord Eddard. There'll be no question of her missing the ship. And he's like, it would not be wise for you to go to Joffrey right now, Sansa. I'm sorry. And Sansa just doesn't understand. Like... I don't even think Septimordain gets it. That's why she's like, you know, I'll go with her. But, you know, Septimordain doesn't know everything that Eddard knows. And Sansa doesn't know everything that Eddard knows. But Sansa basically is like, you know, it's not fair. Like, she knocks over her chair and she runs crying from the table. And, like, Septimordain is getting ready to go after her, which should have happened. Septimordain had went after her. Then maybe she wouldn't have went to Cersei um but Ned's like you know let her go sit down eat your food I'll make sure she understands once we're back in Winterfell and like it said hearing this because you know that they're never going to make it back to Winterfell
0: right right yeah it's, it's almost kind of sad but
1: <laughs> yeah it's like it's like if he I feel like he didn't I feel like he should have told his children yes their children and everything isn't for children, but they're not in a children's like a child's place. They're in a very dangerous place, and the more they know, the safer they actually are.
0: Right, they're just sitting there having breakfast, and, and you know Ned never really played the King's Landing game very well. He's he's a soldier. He's been a soldier his whole life, and he kind of knows how to face people head on, and he doesn't get the conniving and uh, the backstabbing that goes on in King's Landing. So he just doesn't fit in there very well at all.
1: Yeah, he doesn't. Like, it's not a game. It's not a game for him. It's not a place for him. Um, and that's a good thing. So it's an, about an hour later when Grand Maester Pycelle comes in and he's, like, telling um, Ned that Robert is gone. The gods give him rest. No, Ned answered. He hated Russ. The gods give him love and laughter and the joy of righteous battle. It was strange how empty he felt. He had been expecting the visit. And yet with those words, something died within him. He would have given all his titles for the freedom to weep. But he was Robert's hand and the hour he dreaded had come. So Ned is like losing his, his brother. Like he's losing his brother and he doesn't even have the freedom to grieve like you or me would, because he's the hand of the king and he has to step up and take power. So he calls a great council, which I think is a smart move. Like it's a smart move to call a great council and try to immediately get yourself. um, It is,
0: it is, but you know, I think his biggest mistake probably in the last chapter was not listening to what renly told him and not at least trying to have people there i think that was probably like his make or break moment i i think maybe he even thought that they wouldn't kill him you know when he faces jamie lannister in the streets and jamie lannister won't kill him i think he almost feels like uh he still has that status or they still have that respect for him where they're not going to kill him. And really that that's the way it goes because I don't think Cersei planned on killing him really.
1: No, it, they that didn't. was
0: kind of Joffrey's last minute twisted move.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I don't think they were going to kill him. Like Cersei's not an idiot. Like she wouldn't just kill a great Lord, but Joffrey is a psycho. And what Ned doesn't expect is that Joffrey will be named king and they won't be able to control what Joffrey does. So when Ned, you know, is like, you know, call the council to my chambers, Maester Pycelle is like, you know, the affairs of the kingdom can keep till the morrow when our grief is not so fresh. And Ned is like, no, we need to convey right now. And I think that is a good position for him to take, like to try to get it established right away. Like, this is smart get it established right away. But like, I agree with what you're saying. He should have listened to Renly because you don't have the men. You don't have the power. They've just shown you when you woke up and you saw them doing military exercises in the yards, like they've just shown you that they're not going to back down.
0: Right. And chances are, even with Renly's help, they he probably still wouldn't have had enough men once, once Littlefinger got the, uh, the city watch on his side and Cersei's side.
1: Well, with with Renly's help, you would have had the Tyrells' help, and with Loras and Renly together helping Ned, Littlefinger might have to rethink some of his decisions because he ultimately doesn't want to piss off the Tyrells. Right, All right. That's a
0: good point. And Ned, he's still pretty stubborn, John's old thing. He's just like, uh, Stannis has to be king. That's all there is to it. It's, you know, that's just all there is.
1: Yeah. So um, Sir Barristan comes, uh, Littlefinger comes, Varys comes, and um, Ned is like, you know, well, where is Renly? Like, we're we're waiting, I'm waiting for Renly. And Varys is like, you know, Lord Renly has left left the city he took his leave through a postern gate at an hour before dawn accompanied by Sir Loras Tyrell and some 50 retainers when last seen they were galloping south in some haste no doubt bound for storms End or high garden so Ned is like you know so much for Renly and his hundred swords and Ned doesn't like the smell of it like he doesn't like smell of it but like at this point there's nothing he can do of it so he he pulls out Robert's letter. It's basically like, you know, the king called me to a side last night. I recorded what he wants. And he gets Sir Barristan to read it. So he reads the paper and he says, you know, it's King Robert's seal and unbroken. He opens it and it says that, Ned Stark is protector of the realm to rule as regent until the heir comes of age, and as it happens, he is of age. Ned reflected, but he did not give voice to the thought. And Ned is thinking of Stannis, so he right. doesn't. He doesn't trust Pycelle, and he doesn't trust Varys. He says that like Sir Barristan is so honor bound that he would protect Joffrey, at, like Joffrey as his new king. Like Sir Barristan wouldn't just abandon Joffrey, right? And he says, you know, the need for deceit was a bitter taste in his mouth. But he knew that he had to tread softly here. And it's like he can't even lie to liars without feeling guilty about it.
0: Right. And he, he probably could have gotten himself out of this if he had just knelt and and lied and, yeah. and gotten his kids and got out of there. He chooses to be honorable at the weirdest times, I swear, because, you know, like lying to Robert his whole life, his best friend. It's it's like if he had told Robert the truth about Liana, everything would have been different. Mm-hmm. The yep. entire story would have been different. That's true. And Ned kind of had to deal with Liana's fling. Like it kind of ended up on his back, losing his family and having to take over winterfell but in a way that was all meant to happen and rhaegar i think kind of knew it was destiny to have their child john snow and i assume that's because he plays some huge part at the end uh against the night king or, or however that goes
1: yes so. So- so i I do think that Ned chooses. i like I do agree with that that Ned chooses the wrong times to be honorable. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, like sometimes be a little less honorable. like sometimes. <laughs> So Ned is basically not talking, not going to tell them, well, Stannis is the heir, Joffrey's the bastard. He's not going to deal with any of the secession talk until after he's confirmed as regent. His girls are safe in Winterfell and Stannis is on his way to King's Landing or Stannis is in King's Landing. So the door busts open and the royal stewards enter and they say the king demands immediate presence of his small council in the throne room. And Ned said that, like, you know, he had expected Cersei to strike quickly, um, and it wasn't a surprise. And Ned says, you know, the king is dead, uh, but we shall go with you nonetheless. Uh, And they take the escort. So Littlefinger gave Ned his arm to help him down the steps. Varys, Pycelle, and Sir Barrison followed close behind. A double column of men-at-arms in chainmail and steel helms was waiting outside the tower, eight strong, Gray cloaks snapped in the wind as guardsmen marched across the yard. There was no Lannister Crimson to be seen, but Ned was reassured by the number of gold cloaks visible on the ramparts and at the gates. So Janice Slint, Janice Slint, so Janice Slent meets them at the door of the throne room. Um, he bows to them, they open the door for them. And it says, all hail his grace, Joffrey of the houses Baratheon and Lannister, the first of his name, king of the Andals and the Ronar and the first men, lord of the seven kingdoms and protector of the realm. So one thing that stuck out to me was this sentence. It was a long walk to the far end of the hall where Joffrey waited atop the iron throne. The first time he had come this way, he had been on horseback, sword in hand, and the Targaryen dragons had watched from the walls as he forced Jaime Lannister down from the throne. He wondered if Joffrey would step down quite so easily. So the difference between Jaime and Joffrey is Jaime never wanted the Iron Throne. <laughs> he never wanted right. it. Joffrey wants it. Like, it's Joffrey's prized possession. He, he, he knows the power that it holds, and he wants that power.
0: Right, and and Ned uh, doesn't want to know. You know, it's kind of like Ned, uh, he doesn't even know what he's going to do at this point. Like, hoping that Joffrey would step down, like, (laughs) he just has no idea at this point. Like, I think the uh, milk of the poppy's gone to his head.
1: (laughs) So Joffrey, like they go in there and Joffrey is kind of like, I command the council to make all the necessary arrangements for my coronation. I wish to be crowned within the fortnight. Today, I shall accept oaths of fealty from my loyal counselors. And then Ned gives over Robert's a letter and he gives it to Lord Barris. And he's like, Lord Barris, be so kind as to show this to my Lady of Lannister. So she gives it to Cersei. Protector of the realm, she read. Is this meant to be your shield, my lord, a piece of paper? She ripped the letter in half, ripped the halves in quarters, and let the pieces flutter to the floor. Those were the king's words, Sir Barristan said, shocked. We have a new king now, Cersei replied. Lord Eddard, when we last we spoke, you gave me some counsel. Allow me to return the courtesy, Bend the knee, my Lord, bend the knee and swear fealty to my son, and we shall allow you to step down his hand and live out your days in the gray waste you call home. That's a, that's a generous offer.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: That's a generous offer. Why wouldn't he take it? Why not take it?
0: Yeah. And even, even though he can't really kneel, you know, it's, It's the next line that really condemns him where he says, your son has no claim to the throne. He sits Lord Stannis is Robert's
1: true heir. And then Joffrey loses his shit. Liar. Joffrey screamed mother. What does he mean? Princess Marcella asked the queen plainly. Isn't Joff the king now? And Cersei says, you condemn yourself with your own mouth. Lord Stark. Sir Barristan sees this traitor. So, Like, Sir Barrison kind of doesn't know what to do. Like, like he's hesitating. And then, like, the Stark guardsmen, like, go around, like, try to form around Ned. And um, Cersei is like, you know, now the treason moves from words to deeds. And then Joffrey's like, kill him. Kill all of them. (laughs) I command (laughs) it. And that's what kind of king he's going to be. So then Ned basically says... You leave me no choice. And he calls out to Lord Janice Slint because he thinks that he's paid for the gold cloaks. And he tells Janice Slint, you know, take the queen and her children into custody, do them no harm, but escort them back to the royal apartments and keep them there under guard. And then Janice Slint basically acts like he's gonna do it. And then he doesn't. (laughs) He kills Ned's men. Um, he kills Ned's men, they just get straight pierced through the ribs. Butchered, yeah. Butchered, yeah. Um, Janice Slint himself does some of the killing. So, and then it says, as his men died around him, Littlefinger slid Ned's dagger from its sheath and shoved it up under his chin. His smile was apologetic. I did warn you not to trust me, you know. And that is how the chapter ends with Littlefinger's deceit. Littlefinger is so stuck on Catelyn Stark. He is simping so hard for Catelyn Stark that he has set up her whole husband. Hope, Like, Littlefinger's right. hoping Ned dies.
0: Right, and, you know, it's weird what he does there, because in the way he almost saves him. But Littlefinger, I mean, Ned was kind of screwed from the beginning because... Catelyn trusted Littlefinger, and, of course, Ned had to trust what Catelyn trusted. And I I think back a few chapters where the last time Catelyn and Littlefinger saw each other was when Littlefinger was getting cut open from, you know, the top of his chest to the bottom by Brandon Stark. Yeah. (laughs) dropping into the river and his last words if he had died would, would have been cat mm-hmm. you know like she wouldn't hand over his or her favor during that fight and he still never got the clue that catelyn didn't want him and he, he pushed the fight with brandon yeah but nonetheless the fact that 15 years later however long she comes back and just trusts Littlefinger.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's bad moves all around. And-
1: it it it's- is bad moves all around. It's kind of like, uh, really, like that's what you're gonna do. Like you don't even know this guy anymore, and you tell Ned that same thing. Like you don't even know Robert anymore. Well, like, you don't even know Littlefinger anymore. But you still want to trust them. But yeah, this chapter, um, it's not a very long chapter. And it's basically the arrest of Ned Stark. And going forward, we won't see Ned Stark in the capacity that we've seen him. Right. Like, his power is gone. His power is gone.
0: This is basically the end of the adventure for Ned and Robert. And it's their story is pretty much over at the beginning of our story here. Um, but they had great interesting lives Ned served A huge purpose in the Game of Thrones If you look at it that way By fathering Arya Who's going to kill the Night King And mm-hmm. Jon Snow Taking care of him And, <laughs> and Bran Stark Who will be the king Like, So yeah. in that capacity Like yeah, Ned Stark is a very important person. For He's,
1: the record, for the record, I don't <laughs> think Arya is going to kill any Night Kings. <laughs> no? I mean, she might kill a couple white. Well, we don't necessarily have a Night King figure in the book,
0: right? No, yet. You're right. And yet, it, it really feels more like Jon Snow has. A, it
1: feels like Jon Snow. Purpose. Yeah, Jon Snow is set up to do that. Arya definitely has a purpose, but I think her purpose may be along the lines of Lady Stoneheart purpose and the phrase. Not necessarily I don't think her story is necessarily tied into the White Walkers. I feel like it's been set up over and over for John and also Bran and Daenerys.
0: Poor Daenerys, you know, the show just (laughs) butchered her storyline. They they should have taken the extra episodes to actually Move along her storyline into the Mad Queen figure, yeah, that she is before she dies. Yeah, and yeah. Of course, I thought they butchered the show from season seven. Like I thought the idea to go up north and and take a a White Walker and take it down the ridiculous and show her ridiculous. so ridiculous. <laughs> that, that had to have been just written up. I just don't see George Martin doing that. Maybe writing it on a napkin. <laughs> I don't know. Horrible, yeah. horrible what they did.
1: But that is this chapter. Did you have anything you wanted to add that we didn't cover?
0: No, I don't think so. It yeah, sucks. I think we covered. <laughs> I think we
1: covered everything. Ned's getting arrested, and the rest of his chapters will be in the dungeons of. King's Landing.
0: 35 years old and he's about to die. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. Poor Very sad. But um if you would like to be on an episode of Obsidian Knights, hit up Nim Shadow on Instagram or Twitter and or Discord as well. And Jack, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank
0: um, you for having me. Oh, I no appreciate problem.
1: It. No problem. And as always, thanks for listening and you guys have a good day. Bye.
0: Bye.